All right, hey. everybody. Hello, Hi. and welcome back to another episode of What's Between the Lines. I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. And this is a show where we sit down with our favorite authors. Yes. We hope they're some of yours, too. And we try to find out what was going on in that third act twist. What was going on in the mind of the author or the life of the author? Mm-hmm. And how does that come through? Yeah. Jonathan, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, yesterday, as of the taping of the show, um, it was Dr. Seuss's birthday. Mm. Um, which is weird because usually we're in school that day, but yeah. yesterday a lot of schools were off because of wind and right. wind related instances. Of right. It wasn't a weekend damage. at all. It wasn't a weekend. Uh, at my school, my County was still in school, but we had, uh, parent teacher conferences. Um, so there wasn't uh, any yeah. like real to do about Dr. Seuss's birthday, but like next week, I think we do the whole thing where like cat in a hat, all the kids get to wear a crazy hat. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not a school that does like actual green eggs and ham. Um, oh yeah. I remember days. doing that growing up. That's quite a throwback. I want to say that was third grade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting you bring that up. So I was just in new Orleans and, uh, there was like a museum slash shop there that we okay. did not end up going inside called the art of Dr. Seuss. And if I understand it right, like we just kind of peeked in and thought, hmm, cool. Interesting. If we had thought about his birthday coming up, I mean, this was a week before. Right. Yeah. Uh, we might have checked it out, but yeah, it was like a bunch of paintings that based um, off of him. Or no, I like... think that were by the actual person. Okay, who wrote the Doctor Seuss books? So, so Doctor Seuss? Seuss. Yeah. Okay, Theodore Geisel. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, that's not. That's uh, his real Is name. it Theodore Geisel Seuss, or mm-hmm. Doctor Seuss was just a nom de yeah, plume? Yeah, was a nom de plume. Mm. Yeah, Theodore I figured. Geisel, yeah. So, um, are you sad? Was there like something you were hoping no. to do with your students? No, no, not my kids. My my middle schoolers could. Yeah, you know, they've really aged out. That, yeah. Uh, no, it's just fun to see, like, the little ones who get really excited and all that stuff about, mm-hmm. you know, ooh, Dr. Seuss Day. We get to read books and such and things like that. But you, yeah. I, I'm surprised that you and Amy did not go into, of all the things oh, that you guys did. It was just a busy time. Like, okay. There were so many little interesting places like that that if we had stopped in at all of them. You wouldn't have done anything. Well, we would have just dropped dead from doing too many things. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, like, we visited the Museum of Death, which right. was a fascinating place basically has the feel of like a weird guy's basement yeah that he has arranged sometimes tastefully sometimes tastelessly I, uh but a good time like you'll the learn ticket a lot. was fun uh yeah the ticket uh has the skull and they punch the eye out and want to indicate and, that and it warns used. that because of this they have no you know i can't think of the word there's no liability no liability yeah. when it comes to death uh sickness or divorce right which i thought was an interesting piece yeah of... it's just nice to disclaim things like that okay. but um there was also a museum of voodoo Ooh. which we walked well, past, that makes sense. but yeah. did not end up going in uh so lots lots of little museums little shops uh really interesting stuff did you try to do any like tours sort of based off of the princess and the frog no okay uh we did do a ghost tour though Uh, We did what's called the Cynics Ghost Tour, which basically uh, was the same ghost tour that a lot of other folks would go on, but it's very low energy. And it's hosted by John Hodgman. Not quite. Okay, that's just what I pictured, like just John Hodgman. Uh, I would say... Yeah, attitude-wise, I would say that the tour guide followed a similar kind of of beat, and um, he would deliver like the ghost story as it's meant to be delivered. 
and then he would tell you what it's really based on. Okay. And it was quite fascinating because we were doing this Friday night, which is apparently the height of ghost tour time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we reached a point where multiple times we would have to like scooch up or down the street to to like stand in front of or near the property we were talking about so that we would be out of earshot of other tour groups that were doing the same. Who were more in the oh, and much more animated right. there were, i just remember um one lady yelling and it's it's a it's actually a really sad story i won't i won't go into here about like some it. truly awful people but there was a, a lady who was telling part of the story slightly ahead of our tour guide and so we got to hear this line of like i would rather die than live another and it was like oh thanks spoilers yeah, yeah. but yeah really sad New Orleans has uh, some beautiful history and some really tragic stuff. And then, of course, just some dumb superstitious crap. That's true. Great. Well, I'm excited about our guest today. Yes, I am too. No no spoilers, but we've kind of been talking about the genre mm-hmm. that uh, that she deals in. Uh, vampires. No, not specifically not vampires. Not specifically vampires. vampires uh, but horror. And, um, spooky. Yeah, the the, the uh, Orders of the Spooky. Now, if I understand right, this is not a genre that you personally read a lot of. No. I mean, you know me. I kind of stick to the kids books so it's is that right for, yeah it's just easier for me to understand and okay and i get done it and i feel accomplished and mm. it's like yeah yeah it's nice to feel that uh like that list of finished books mm-hmm. growing and uh oh yeah how is your 2018 book reading challenge uh it's going off yeah what do you mean like i i kicked it off and i'm still doing it oh okay yeah are you not keeping track then or i i still haven't finished the first book oh okay yeah. I, but you're, I thought you were reading a children's book. That was going to be like really. No, well, no. So like, I I want to try to raise the stakes a little bit, and so oh, I yeah. went with adult books. But it's okay. it's showing me why I stick to the kids' books. Yeah, I've already forgotten. We did this episode several weeks ago. What can you remind me of the book that you're? Well, the first one I'm trying to read is the girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh uh, yeah, I've watched both ver- versions of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just can't get into the book. It was that uh, Stieg Larsson, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh good book. It's worth stumbling through, yeah. but um yeah, it's not a light read. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the spring so I can do my Pizza Hut bucket challenge and I can get my free pizza. Oh, I see. Well, it's nice that you have that streak going. You've been doing that what since you were 12? You ooh, even before that. Nice. Yeah, second grade, so eight. Yeah. Never missed a year. Nope, haven't. Uh well, thanks Pizza Hut for being a sponsor of the show. <laughs> We've burned up a lot of time yeah. that our uh, our guests could use. So, uh we'll wrap it here and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm Jessica Hinken. I'm Laura Wexler, and we're the hosts of the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. We are a podcast in which you can hear true personal stories that are sad, happy, funny, itchy. There's no itchy stories. Why did you say sad twice? Because we gravitate towards sadness. That's not true. It's very fun. You can download us on stoopstorytelling.com or iTunes, and you can also find us at the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody. Hello, and welcome back. We are so excited to be joined in the studio today. Delighted, you could say. Uh, And and I will say, we are delighted to be joined in the studio today by an author that you have probably heard of. Mm -hmm. You've probably uh, read her books or listened to them in audiobook form. Um, or uh, seen them excerpted. Uh, they get quoted a lot on yeah. the forums on Reddit. Gordon Ramsay does the voiceovers for them. Oh, and, f- and they're amazing. Amazing. Uh, it's Bernadette Toboggan, everybody. Hello. Hi. Bernadette. Uh, author of the Famous Life in the Midwest uh, series of um, 
would you call them suspense? I, I would I say for me, they ride the line between like suspense and horror uh, and a, a little bit of um, almost still life. I think once you've read one, you have an idea of what the rest of them are. So I don't know how suspenseful it is, mm-hmm. but I think that's the point of the books is yeah. that I don't really want to frighten people. I don't want people to think of my topics as necessarily frightening or something that will leave them in waiting. I want them to know what's coming and I want them mm-hmm. to accept it. Yeah. Now that's interesting. So there, there is a, uh, a long tradition in horror mm. of um, using the unknown uh, as a way of building suspense, as a, as a way of making people afraid. So distant sounds, um, characters that when they talk to one another, they can't quite articulate what they've seen. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and folks of uh, his generation were uh, constantly, you know, delivering horror through this secondhand retelling where someone can't speak of it because it's literally like their brain can't comprehend it. Uh, And you've kind of gone the entire opposite direction with your writing. Yes, that's true. Um, So I I was reading a little bit of H.P. Lovecraft um, when I was very young, probably Mm. too young to be reading it. Yeah. And I am reading the voice of this man who's discovering this unknown language and these ancient stories. And I just was thinking to myself that this guy's gone off the deep end. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want my stories to come across that way. Um, I didn't want people to listen to what I was saying and imagine me as this ranting, raving lunatic Mm -hmm. because I wanted to bring some credibility to my stories. Yeah, right. Um, Now, you uh, you actually kind of tipped on one of our usual first questions, which is what got you inspired to write and when did you start writing? I started writing when I was fairly young. Um, I mean, I had to do school assignments and I still mm-hmm. look back through them and, and think, wow, this is actually a, a fairly decent story. Um, but what really pushed me That's into... amazing. Like I, I've, uh, I recently found some of my old like middle school, elementary school, um, stuff and it's, uh, it's all gone now. Uh, I, my, my sister was holding on to some of that for me after my mom got a bunch of it out of the house. And now, um, you know, I, hindsight being 2020, uh, I'm sad that I looked again, but I'm glad that it's gone forever. Yeah, <laughs> that stuff needed to go. Well, I'm glad mine stuck around. I still f- find bits and pieces of things that I wrote. Um, don't know why I kept a letter to the Tooth Fairy. Well, about, I mean, that's important. I told her that I really wanted money. I was young enough to be losing my teeth, and I was asking her for money and I mean, wrote a whole story to her about it. That's the, that's the expectation, isn't it? Like, you lose a tooth, you get money. Yeah, Yeah. but I think I was at a point, um, I made up a lot of stories when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, I think I was at a point where I was pretending to put teeth under my pillow, or I was putting um, things that just looked like teeth under my pillow and hoping that I would get money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So one of the first books that I ever was terrified to read was your your story, uh, Cornhuskers where it had a series of aliens that were coming down and actually inserting humans into corn husks. Um, And then having your main character at the end get stuck in this corn maze of just humans screaming. Um, Mind you, there's no sound. Um, It's all in your head. And then hearing Gordon Ramsay read it for the first time was spectacular. Um, But I'm just wondering, like, do you get any 
inspiration from movies or things like that? Because I, I sort of pictured those aliens as sort of the Jeepers Creepers alien uh, when it came to just a massive being st- stuffing just humans into these husks. Uh, I didn't really draw inspiration from Jeepers Creepers. Okay. Um, when I read Children of the Corn, though, I thought oh, there's no scarier vegetable. Right. Um, I mean, the seeing the children running around and just the, the bleakness of the mm-hmm. whole thing, which is what I was used to seeing for most of my life. It put a completely different spin on it. Um, uh, if you picture the aliens as the uh, Jeepers Creepers type character, that's great. That's awesome with the the cape and the hat and all that. I right. believe he wears a jacket. Um, that's yeah. If that's what you see, then that's fantastic. And as far as the the screaming goes, um, I hate to say it, but I hope that my readers hear the screaming in their heads just as much as I hear the screaming in my head mm-hmm. uh, fairly often. Now yeah. you uh, you did mention growing up <laughs> around uh, a lot of corn and. Um, this is pretty well known in forums online uh, with fans of your work, but almost all of your stories do take place in Nebraska, uh, a place that you sometimes seem to, I want to say, have mixed feelings about. And this may just be my reading, so feel free to to correct me. Uh, but I'm thinking specifically about, um, I think it was your third book uh, in this series, uh, Tall Gray Skies, uh, where you go into some great detail. Uh, with there's There's lots of sort of like over um, moving moving over land describing a lot of the the cityscapes and and especially countryside by air uh, as uh, these humans are being sort of swept up into alien ships and transported uh, plucked out of you know their um, almost uh, what is what is the uh, the name of that uh, short story flatland uh, they're they're being pulled up out of the two-dimensional flatland and seeing uh, 3d for the first time. Uh, I, I feel like there some of those uh, vignettes feel very uh, personal and loving, and some of them feel um, almost disdain, disdainful. Well, I feel like where everyone grows up, it's it's kind of bittersweet for them. Uh, when you return after being gone for a while, it really changes how you feel about a place. Mm. You know, you're you're growing up there, so you're experiencing really wonderful things and really terrible things at the same time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you forget about the terrible things and you reminisce on the nice things until you go back. So it's always a weird feeling to return. And I think because I didn't think about writing this particular series until after I had left and then Mm. gone back. And I left because of what was continuing to happen to me there Mm. um, that eventually led me to write these books Mm. So yeah, you're you are exactly right that there are some things that I look at with complete affection, and there are some things that I look at and wish I could burn them down. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I'm excited about your new book that's coming out. Uh, it is on my list of 2018s to read. Hope it's number three. I hope to get it to at least by November. Um, but UFO unfriendly obstacles. Uh, and it's sort of I, I like how it connects sort of to the Winter Olympics. It's an alien race that has decided to come and put themselves into uh, the Olympics and sort of like the Olympic athletes of Russia. They they cannot, fla- uh, you know, have their flag flown and things like that. But um, I mean, ha- how much research were you able to do? I know that it's they're pr- pretty much just predominantly a curling team um, in the story. Uh, like, Where did you get your inspiration? 
Uh, I've always pictured curling as a very foreign sport to me. Mm. Uh, I always found it to be very bizarre. And I had this idea. I've always had this idea of aliens. You know, when they look at us as humans, they think, what the hell am I looking at? What are these people doing? And for some reason with curling, I felt like aliens would look at that and be like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, aliens are, as far as participating in any sort of international or, or global competition, it's a whole different ball game because you're not just dealing with a separate nation. You are dealing with a separate world or possibly another dimension that doesn't mm. even maybe follow the same rules, the same laws of nature that we have here, let alone our, our man-made laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, uh, pre- I, I- Thank you for uh, sending us uh, part of your advanced copy, by yeah, the way. Well, I'm, of I'm course. extremely excited to have played even a tiny role in uh, in the editing of this. But um, the and, and no spoilers, but the the, the whole subplot about the doping scandal is yeah. in- incredible. Uh, and and what a choice for a character to like follow one of these testers uh, in the anti doping labs. Um, really good choice. Uh, I. I would like to uh, take us back a little bit, if we could, and um, feel free to change the subject if you're not comfortable talking about this. But you did mention um, that there were some things that happened to you in Nebraska that inspired these books, and um, before that caused you to leave home. Uh, But you are back, and you are sharing these stories. Um, So would you mind uh, telling us, after these uh, experiences that you had that, that are now being sort of uh, making their way out of you through, uh, through these tales. Um, what brought you back? Well, uh, if you've read most of my books, you should probably know at this point that my parents died when I was very young Mm -hmm. and I ended up in foster care for a short while before I got adopted, um, by an older couple. And they were not exactly pleasant. Mm -hmm. They did not exactly let me, um, share my creative side with people. They Mm -hmm. were very strict, very regimented. So I spent a lot of time uh, outdoors and as far away from them as a a 13-year-old could get. Mm -hmm. And in being outside so much, I honestly spent a lot of time looking up at the sky, spent a lot of time reading. I could could walk to the library. Mm -hmm. Um, That was great. And... I was reading a lot, uh, and things just kind of s- switched for me mm. um, as I was getting older. When I was a child going through foster care, I didn't really notice a lot of that. I didn't notice that I was different from other kids as much because mm. that was my whole life. That was right. the only thing I knew. So once I got older, became a teenager, and started to see that things were different, mm-hmm. that is when I really started to... Um, look to, I guess, marginalized practices to sort of find a niche and find where I belonged. And that really led me down um, a strange and somewhat uncomfortable path that I am still coming to terms with today. And the writing is helping me do that. And forgive me, what was your question at the end there? Oh, uh, sorry. Um, and thank you for sharing that. That's, uh, that's, that's very deep. And we appreciate you talking about that on the show. Um, no, my, my question was simply, um, after, after leaving all that behind, uh, you obviously have a lot to process. What brought you back? 
Uh, I really came back because when I left, it felt like that person that lived in Nebraska wasn't really me. It felt like I was looking back on the life of a different person. Like I had just watched a movie or had a dream or something like that. And after spending enough time away, I thought to myself, there was so much that happened to me there. I need to go back and for lack of a better phrase, get back in touch with my roots Mm -hmm. and make sure that the things that I believed truly happened. And I felt like as horrible as it was being there for most of my life, it was still a part of who I was. And just shutting that part out was not, um, not going to help me live up to my full potential. Mm, Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much why I went back and I didn't really know anyone there. Um, my adoptive parents had passed away some time ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, well, it happens. Um, I wasn't speaking to them for a short while until I found out that things were going on with them. They weren't doing too well. Mm. Um, so as horrible as it sounds, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Um, and I almost feel like that's a blessing in some way, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much why I came back to really round myself out as a person and, and try to feel like I was whole again with Mm. a childhood and adolescence and in adulthood. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, I, um, I've, I've that was noticed. really heavy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, sorry. That's like no. It's uh, thank you so much for. <laughs> that's for like sharing. a. That was like a good like dollop of sour cream on a on a wonderful nacho plate. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just, uh, well, if you don't mind, Jonathan, I I would like to dig into that a little bit more. I I, I had another. I had oh, a please. question yeah. that might just be sort of like the jalapenos on top of the. Yeah, let's spice it up. Yeah. Um. Why haven't you sold out to Hollywood yet? Very good question. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited because I don't want, I you know, at this point, the voices in my head are just Gordon Ramsay, and I don't want that to change. Mm. And so I'm happy that you haven't. Just well, have you been offered? We've like, seen some really mixed results. Like George R. R. Martin has been uh, slowly, painstakingly cranking out these beloved books that, when adapted, uh, don't worry about it. We'll talk about it later. Okay, uh, listeners, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, that when adapted by HBO were initially amazing, and then as they ran out of source material, have really gone off the the rails, Ballers? as it were. No, that's on stars. Is um, it? Is it on we'll HBO? talk about it after the show. Okay. Uh, but uh, Bernadette, um, yeah, we're, we're desperate to know: has anyone approached you Sex about uh, making film or uh, TV adaptations? And uh, if so, when might we get to see those? I have been approached. I think especially in this day and age when people are looking for more information regarding extraterrestrial beings or Mm -hmm. extra dimensional beings, uh, Hollywood wants to make that into a a, a somewhat popular, they want to bring that idea into the mainstream. And so, yes, I have been approached. And as of now, I have absolutely no intentions of introducing my work into Hollywood. Beautiful. Mm. I have never been in this for the money. This has been for the sake of, uh, like I said, coming to realize my full Mm -hmm. potential and in doing that, sharing my story, especially sharing my story with others who feel that they can relate to me either through, um, 
uh, having adopted parents or mm. living in the Midwest, feeling out of place, um, oh. finding. Okay, sorry. I thought, I thought you might have been abducted. Well, that's by alien. That's another. She was adopted by foster parents. I was. You were what? Because there are two statements that were made. Yes. All right. Great. Um, well, um, Bernadette, I'm was it we're... Westworld? Is that the? No, that's no. based on a movie which is based on a Michael Crichton novel, not George R. R. Martin. Oh, the uh, guy who did Jurassic Park. I know that one. Yep, you got it. So uh, that's about all the time we have for questions. Um, do you have any advice uh, that you would give to new writers or perhaps people that are struggling and might be able to find an outlet through writing? I would definitely say write what you know mm. and write what feels true to you write about things that have happened to you because I can guarantee you they have also happened to others and in sharing them I promise you you will feel better and I promise you you will make others feel better in the process nice thank you uh well that's gonna do it for the interview portion of our show here uh but if you don't mind uh would you stick around and play a game with us yes of course oh great then that means it's time for everybody's favorite game not like you remembered. Oh, it's not like I remembered. That's right. We asked you to uh, give us a shout on uh, all the places you can reach us. Social uh, medias. Yeah. Uh, also, our website, uh, wehavetoask.com. Uh, but yes, our Facebook and our Twitter, we are We Have to Ask there. You can leave comments on the website? Yes. We'll talk about it after the show. Okay. Uh, we asked you, uh, what are some some things that you remember books uh franchises that that you love that you would like to see uh or or maybe are afraid to see uh turned into a different genre and in honor of our guest this week mm-hmm. that genre was horror Ooh. so uh jonathan did, did we get any good responses there uh yeah we got a lot of weird responses um perfect so like for example uh this is this is from nausea um there was a story in a book i had I don't know uh, what it was, but I, uh, it was about this sausage guy going to hell and feeding the devil's grandmother sausage and becoming rich and this other asshole who didn't give her sausage and they ate him. It kind of sounds like horror already. Right. Yeah. So the story is called The Devil's Grandmother and the Two Butchers in Hell. What country does that originate from? Well, it's in English. Okay. Well, it might have been translated. Uh, the first. Can I just read the first paragraph of this story? I guess so. Uh, I'll just read the first sentence. In a certain village, there once lived two butchers. Okay. Oh. That was the first sentence. Uh, I'm going to say that sounds like a horror already. Yeah. Um, it, was in about... a, it was in a book called Dragons, Ogres, and Wicked Witches. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that there's, sounds there's like... There's no author on the That cover. sounds like spooky. Well, it sounds like an anthology That's of even spooky stories. scarier. Yeah. Um, well, Najee, I think mission accomplished. Yeah. That, there's this little dude that's like eating sausage. Wow that's, wow, that's really creepy. That's okay, yeah. like a child devil. Yeah, yeah. this is definitely in yeah. the spooky camp already. All right, we're, we're going to move on. Yeah. Let's get to this uh, first real one. This one comes to us from, uh, oh, our favorite uh, Vegan Rob from Vegan Rob's Dojo. Oh, nice. Former yeah. sponsor of the show. Uh, Corduroy. The Cor- bear? Yeah. Oh. I can. I mean, I know exactly where this becomes horror. Yeah. Well, uh, Bernadette, you're our, our guest. Um, let's let's hear your thoughts on this. How would you translate this to horror? There have been so many things, especially recently, that I have seen where this could go. 
Um, staying away from the whole Chucky angle uh, mm, and staying yeah. away. Which does close a lot of doors. But. Right. Um, also staying away from the uh, most recent season of Black Mirror where they input someone's consciousness into a teddy bear, okay. uh, which is horrifying. I think, I, to be honest with you, I'm not 100% familiar with the story. Mm. I can picture the bear very vividly, which almost makes me want to take it into the direction of it being about this painting of a bear okay. uh-huh. that seems to follow this person around wherever they go, whatever city they just happen to um, see this picture that has the same bear in it okay. and might be in a coffee shop might be uh, in a bookstore or in an art museum and they just see this bear and every single time they see it, it seems to be uh, more fully turned towards them and mm. almost looking uh, angrier mm. every time they see it and looking directly at this person mm-hmm. every time they see it. Like one of those things where the painting looks like it follows you around yeah. the eyes um, Except no one else sees it that way. Just right. this one person. Right. I was just thinking that the escalator at the mall, uh, or the I, I think it wasn't a mall. It was a uh, like a Woolworths. Hmm. Um, like is trying to eat the bear. That sounds pretty sad. Hmm. Yeah, that's the whole story. Like the bear's trying to get his button so that uh, he's a complete bear, so that right. the child will buy him. That sounds like a story about teaching kids. Not to mess around with escalators. With escalators, yeah, move to the move to the right. I gotta tell you, all of these uh, stories that anthropomorphize children's toys mm-hmm. really creep me out. Yeah, like mm-hmm. the, the the fridge horror of Toy Story is like one of the creepiest. It's one of the creepiest universes I can imagine. I still think that Disney failed by not having all of the toys melt, recycle, and then turn into one toy. At the end of Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. Would it be a nice toy or a monster toy? I think it would just be like a toy, but just has the consciousness of all of them. Yeah, and then would that it would be lead one in... creature? That sounds... Like speak with one mouth? Or I think would it, it sounds kind of like a, a horror. Schizophrenic mm-hmm. kind of high I think, mind? Well, I, I think I, I like to think of it as that this toy I mean, some of them must be made of recycled inside plastic. Inside out, you know? Mm. Uh, it's, but even in that, we saw how it could fail. Yeah. All right, let's let's hit the next one. All right, next one. Uh, we have the Velveteen Rabbit. Oh, this comes to us from Tina. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This anthropomorphizing a little child's toy. Like it's, it's the Velveteen Rabbit is already scary. I didn't mm. think the Velveteen Rabbit was. Am I am I thinking about this wrong? It's about. Did it come to life at some point? I thought it was about. Uh, I have this book, and I read it a lot when I was up. a kid. That's what. I thought it was like a child stuffed animal that ended up getting lost and going from place to place to place trying to find its home. But I don't know if. Yeah, I don't remember it coming to life, but I do remember it being ascribed emotions. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a very sad book. Uh, it felt it's it chronicles the story of a stuffed rabbit's desire to become real oh, through the yes. love of his owner. Uh, yes. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a Pinocchio story. Um, without the, the same moralizing. I, I like the idea that this rabbit is trying to murder the family just to get the love of the boy. Uh, that's not the read I got off of what you just said. Okay, uh, do we have one more? Uh, yeah, uh, we have two more. Uh, the next one we have, and I think this one is real good. This comes to us from Christine. Uh, Madeline. Ooh. Well, that... 
I mean, guys, I mean, it all starts when she gets her appendix taken out and there is an alien inside her. I'm not familiar with this story, I don't think. So she is, Madeline is a girl who I believe is in a, um, a school? I, she's an she's an orphan, I think. Like she she has no family. Yeah, is she mm-hmm. the one with psychic powers? And that's Matilda. That's, Matil- that's Matilda. That's what I keep thinking. Yeah, of. No. but she but Madeline she's she goes to school in France. It's a French mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She has little red hair. Yeah. And uh, and one of the big stories is while she um, while she was on like an adventure or at the house, she has appendicitis and they have to take her appendix out. Mm. And then she's super excited to show all the girls the scar that she has on yeah. her stomach and. I like the idea of her getting her appendix removed sends her um, into being obsessed with organs and removing organs. uh, And since she obviously cannot remove her own uh, without some serious uh, anesthesia, she takes to removing and examining others' organs, Mm -hmm. specifically uh those of the less dead yeah i see like this being rewritten with a subtitle that's like madeline plays doctor right yeah oh and does experiments on all the other girls yeah Ooh, pretty rough stuff all right this is our last one this comes to us from liz it's nana upstairs nana downstairs now i had two thoughts in my head one this is just about some creep who pushes grandmothers down the steps the other (laughs) thing is is that you have two grandma twin grandmothers Okay, now take that for a second. You have twin grandmothers because that can't happen. But well, you could have two grandmothers that happen to look alike. Anyway, uh, one is your grandmother and one is her twin. Yeah. Okay. But you have two grandmothers. Okay. They're twins. So you're saying this is already horror, right? Because now it's like, how does this even work? Like, but here's the the, the kicker: upstairs, grandma is heaven. Downstairs, grandma is hell oh it's an allegory oh, mm-hmm. interesting okay. i got nothing for this. i'm not i'm not familiar with the original story i so. don't i don't know the story that well slash at all but uh it reminds me of the stories where uh a dad goes to tuck his daughter into bed and he tells her goodnight, says he's going to check for monsters under the bed, and he lifts mm. up the the uh, sheet and looks under there, and she says, Dad, there's a monster in my bed. There's the little girls under there. Uh, I just read about this book, and okay. it may already be a hard story. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, this autobiographical story introduces children to the concept of death through the eyes of four-year-old Tommy, who has a special relationship with his grandmother and great-grandmother. And visits them uh, regularly. Nana upstairs dies when he's a child, and Nana downstairs dies when he's adult. At both ages, Tommy learns to keep his beloved Nanas in his memory. That doesn't oh. sound like horror. Yeah, that no, sounds that sounds pleasant. really nice. It, it doesn't say what they died from, and it depends well, on what they're doing, and if he's still seeing them afterwards, and if they're right. when yeah, when you say keeping him keeping them alive in his memory, like there are definitely some horror angles there. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to be careful. Like we don't want to go into death negativity on this. Like death alone uh, is something that our culture stigmatizes yeah, and true. tries to avoid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, and that means we do lots of stuff like we don't allow people to grieve properly. We, you know, call people crazy when mm. uh, actually they're just missing, you know, somebody who's passed away mm-hmm. and they, they need uh, help processing that and we don't allow them to process that. So I think I think this book sounds good uh, in a way that like, I don't know that I want to make a horror version of this because we treat death as scary enough that mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a cheap shot. I see Tommy being this child, sort of like it, and so like mm. the first part like, of the story, Nana, we all float down here. Yeah, like f- la- the first half of the story is Nana upstairs, and then the second half of the story is Nana downstairs, and he may or may not have a hand in it. Yeah, mm. like maybe if Nana upstairs died and they his family didn't help him process that grief, and Nana downstairs was actually what became of him mm. digging up her body and kind of like, you know, like Norman, an Ed Gein type of, yeah. Or a Norman Bates mm-hmm. where like he keeps, he keeps Nana downstairs so that no one knows she's there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, great. Well, that's uh, definitely going to do it for time. Uh, Bernadette, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for all that you do. I'm really excited to see uh, your new book coming out. And thanks again. Yeah, UFO, for everybody. Unfriendly obstacles. Unfriendly obstacles. Yes. Uh, but she's already done so many great pieces. Find them uh, on Corn Amazon. Husker, if you haven't gotten it on Audible, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay is fabulous. Uh, we have um, Tall Gray Skies, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Gray Shores. Um, there are just so many I could name. Go, go Venetian find them on Blinds. I mean, that one was just ridiculously good. Yeah, lots of really good military strategy in there. I'm sorry mm-hmm. we don't have more time to go into this, but um, Bernadette Toboggan, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. And don't worry about waiting to get these books. I will get you copies. Yes. <gasps> oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, well, for the rest of you folks, uh, just look for them on Amazon. You can pre-order now, and uh, you should. So go ahead and give it a shot. Uh, we'll be right back. Right. Hey, this has been another episode of. That's fine. You, yeah, we can just wrap it up. I mean, you said you wanted to keep it short. I do. Um, that was a great episode. Yeah, I just want to say I really enjoyed that interview. Um, I've been rereading some of uh, Ms. Toboggan's books, and I'm going to continue to do so. Um, join us in, in the chat and let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on our website at wehaveToask.com or on Facebook or Twitter at We Have to Ask. Do you and... think she was actually abducted? You know, I don't know. I didn't want to push too hard on that. It's uh, it's a very personal thing. Put that, put that in the website. Go leave us a comment on the website. Yeah, let us know what you think. Um, but I don't know. Be polite about it. Yeah, I mean, if she was abducted, it's like that's that's traumatizing. Yeah. Nobody so maybe maybe doing. keep it to yourselves. Yeah, you know what? Just just leave us a comment on our website. Now that I know that we can do that, and yeah, just do. Let that. us know what you're reading uh, and what you would like to learn more about. I'm sure there's a book out there that uh, you, maybe you remember it from your childhood. Maybe mm-hmm. you're reading it right now, and you really want to know, what the hell was that all about? Yeah, was We'd love about? to get the author on the show, talk about it, and learn what's between the lines. Heck this yeah. has been another episode of What's Between the Lines. I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. As always, maybe some mystery? See you all next time. This has been another episode of What's Between the Lines. Like Penguin Producers Amy and Harry Lobsters, and thanks to Skies and Chaos Creeps for our theme song music. Check them out on iTunes and while you're there, check us out as well. If you're already a subscriber, give us a rating and review, it really helps. Join the discussion online at wehavedass.com on Facebook or Twitter at wehavedass. Don't forget to check out their podcast on the Pixel Network at Pixel. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. You are currently listening to We Have to Ask. We Have to Ask? I gotta be honest with you. 
I'm not sure what the hell is going on. So we have to ask. I, I, I've tried to ask. You did? And I, I haven't gotten any answers. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.